Great news for Informed Pregnancy Plus subscribers. Dive into our Core Connection course included with your subscription. Hosted by Natalie Headings, a pre- and postnatal exercise specialist and ACSM certified personal trainer, she's an incredible teacher. This five-video series equips you with essential insights to understand what your pelvic floor and core are, how they work, and how to enhance pelvic floor and core strength and proper function during and after your pregnancy and birth. Learn about pelvic floor basics, key postural adjustments, effective muscle releases, and breathing techniques for a healthier core and floor. Don't wait. Visit informedpregnancy.tv and get started with the invaluable core connection today. Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and our co-host today is Juliet Lamar. Hello, Welcome back. Hello. Good to have you again. Yes. Great to be here. Our guest in the studio is an Aussie. She's an actress who you might recognize from the wildly successful indie feature, 47 Meters Down, or from cult vampire favorites, The Vampire Diaries and the Originals, and a ton of other wide-ranging media. She has a bunch of stuff currently in production and due out soon, including her first baby. <laughs> yes. Claire Rhiannon. Holt, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Did I say that right? Rhiannon. Oh. Uh, I knew it's it was Welsh. I'm going to have to. It's Welsh? Yeah. We looked it up and we were going back and forth whether it was Rhiannon or Rhiannon. <laughs> it's, it's a very weird name. and um, It's beautiful though. Yeah, it's nice. I'm thankful that my mother gave it to me as my middle name, not, not my your first, first name. <laughs> Do you use it ever? Uh, no. Yeah, well, we'll cross it out. There's this uh, website where you can type in names that you don't know how to say and it says them for you. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. But in the com- weird computer voice? No, no. It's Rihanna. somebody's voice. Rihanna. Oh, it is? <laughs> yeah. It's, they're actually... They're well, you know what's funny? I, I think in Wales they pronounce it like Rhiannon or something weird <laughs> like that. That was... <laughs> I don't that know what Welsh. accent Okay, was. so you, you create a little controversy because <laughs> I went to look it up because uh-huh. I wanted to be goofy and use your middle name. Right. Which probably nobody I ever know, does. I know. It's fine. Yeah. And then... So I have it. Hold on a second. Let me see if I can get it. Rhiannon. Oh, yeah. R- is that Rhiannon. Like, was yeah. that right? Yeah. Rhiannon. Rhiannon. Okay. So, and then I looked at the comments, and half the people are like, that girl doesn't know how to pronounce, the, that's my name, and it's not pronounced that way. And oh, other really? people are like, no, it's spot on. Oh. I didn't know there was such controversy There's over a my controversy. name. It reminds me of that dress. Is it gold or is it blue? You remember? Oh, right. That, yeah, that was annoying. gold, obviously. Rhiannon. So, Clearly. yeah, if you're listening, just uh, write in. Do you hear Rhiannon or Rhiannon? Yeah, Rian- let us know. Rhiannon. Anyway, moving on. Um, okay, you're pretty cool. You were nominated for a Teen Choice Award. You almost played Supergirl in the comeback series, and you're a black belt in Taekwondo. What yes. don't we have in common is my question. Right. That's what I asked myself. I think people have a hard time telling us apart. <laughs> Where does this all begin? You're, very, you're a very unique person. Thank you, you're, I think. No, no, in a good way. Powerful, unique person. Like, looking at you, I'm like, how do I get my kids to grow up like Claire? Oh. I love that. So Thank now you. I gave them all the middle name Rhiannon. Perfect. Yeah. That'll do it. That's, That's the only thing you step. need. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where do you come from? I come from Brisbane, Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been in the States for the last 10 years, but I grew up there until I was 20. 
Brisbane. Is it? It's a capital of something? Of Queensland, yes. Right. How is that? What's it like? It was amazing growing up there. Um, we just played with sticks outside and, ah. and you know, rocks. And... It's like Fortnite for right. today. Right, I'm exactly. Here. Perfect. Um, sticks and rocks. That's mm-hmm. what it looks like. No, uh-huh. I'm, I, I'm making it <laughs> sound much worse Did you have animals? It, it seems like a land kind of place. Yeah, it is. It, it's a big city. It's a smaller version of Sydney or Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, one of the major cities in Australia. But it, it was amazing. I mean, I'm one of four and we spent a lot of time Ooh, which outside. One? I'm number two of four. Oh, the first middle child. The first middle child, yes. <laughs> I have many middle child problems. You do? Uh, I don't know, maybe. My middle child has middle child problems. Really? Well, we have two middle childs, but the first middle child, she's turning out great. She has a chance of being like you, but it was hard at the beginning when she was the middle child. It was just like, my first son, I think he, we have like 10,000 pictures, literally, of his really? first year. Amazing. And for Dina, we had like 350 and then she found the hard drive that they were on, and like when she was a little toddler, and smashed it, and we couldn't recover it. We had nothing. <laughs> she smashed like it because there weren't a thousand of it. I guess she was she mad. She knew it at she early like, age. Bam, bam. We actually call her Bam Bam. She's very strong. She's an overachiever. Um, she could count. Yeah, that, yeah. That age. That's why I highly recommend being an only child. No competition. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So maybe you guys just do that. So know? we've had to like Photoshop her into pictures and have family oh, no. like anybody we have that technology. It's great. Yeah. If if not, we'd be totally. Screwed. I was just told we don't care about you that much. That's what no, I was. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Uh, we're all quite close in age, so I never really sort of felt I don't know, I didn't I didn't struggle being a middle child. I def- my my older sister is one of the brightest minds on the planet and is a definite overachiever and a wonderful human. So I Do you have like a middle name? Elizabeth. What? Yes, Rachel is that Welsh? Elizabeth. <laughs> don't know what where does Elizabeth British. come from? British no. maybe. British. Yeah. It's very regal, of course. Oh, like the like Queen, yeah. Um so I, I felt a little bit like I was always trying to keep up, but you know, I, I had a very blessed childhood. I was very lucky. You know, I grew up playing a lot of sports, and I had wonderful friends. And you know, Australia is a beautiful country to raise children. So, and I'm from a very, very big family. My dad is uh, one of ten, so I have 45 first cousins. Oh there may God. be more now. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. So we all kind of grew. Well, the first chunk of us all grew up together and you know our family holidays were big camping trips with enormous tent cities and that sounds it was, so a, it nice. was awesome yeah. it was a really really i come from place. a really big family but there's not a lot of us we're just big such a bad thing oh well <laughs> so um what kind of sports uh so i did taekwondo martial arts starting at up. what age i started when i was 13, I believe. Because uh, you wanted to or it was just... So my my parents wanted my brother to um, learn martial arts and he was quite an anxious kid and he didn't want to go by himself. So I went with him oh. and I loved it. I loved it. And you worked all the way through it. Mm-hmm. Did so, he drop out or he stayed? No, he stayed with me. Okay. Um, I was thinking after the podcast, I'll walk you out, but more for you to protect me. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I don't know if I've still got it. It's been a while, and especially not right now. I don't know a, if I can throw those kicks. This would be I don't an know that amazing story. Kick in. <laughs> Could you imagine my pelvis just frozen? She's <laughs> 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 lucky you're here. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can free that up for you. You can fix it. After you protect um, me from the would-be robber. Yeah, I loved that. And then, you know, I did a lot of swimming growing up, as many Australians do and every kind of sort of sport I Swimming can. for fun or swimming for competition? Both. Both. Are you competitive by nature? Yes. Since <laughs> early age? Um, I think so, yes. More so as I got into sort of my teen years, but I- I'm quite competitive. When you're competitive and you don't win, what does that feel like? So the very first time I lost in a taekwondo competition because I used to spar, it was heartbreaking for me. 
and I I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't have the skills to deal with loss because I hadn't lost before. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm great at it. I lose all the time. Yeah. Oh, I lose out yeah. on every job I want. No. <laughs> I can teach um, you. <laughs> you can. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I'm I'm much better at dealing with it. But at the time, I you know, it took a while to develop those skills. Yeah, and and is competitive? Is everybody in your family competitive? Where does that come from? Yes, yeah, so I think it comes from my dad. There's eight boys and two girls, mm. so the boys were. You know, they're all triathletes or marathon runners or my father does Ironmans, Ironman races. And, uh, Still does? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's amazing. I'm like tinfoil man. <laughs> it's, it's totally different. I think it's Sponsored smarter. Sponsored by Reynolds. <laughs> Honestly. He re- I don't know why he does it to himself. Um, so they've always been super competitive and I think it kind of trickled down. It like rubbed off. Yeah. To us. Everyone? All four? Uh, no, you know what? Just my older sister and I. My youngest brother is not competitive. My, my the youngest, my little sister, she marches to the beat of her own, her own drum. She doesn't mind at all what is going oh, on around her. See, that's my third also. Really? And my fourth, by the way. He is the laziest in the family. Really? And he knows it. He doesn't care. He'll never he learn to. He embraces the role. I think he'll be 35 and never learn to tie his shoes. Right now it's like, Mommy, tie my shoes. If she says no, then Daddy. Then the, he goes through all the kids. He's clever. <laughs> Every other clever. kid, he's very smart. He's really smart. He's like me in this way. He is a little competitive, uh-huh. but extremely lazy. Like, that's my MO. Right. Well. So, like, if I have to compete, I like when Words with Friends, my mother wanted to play Words with She's like, come play Words with Friends with me. It'll build your skills. And I wanted to play, but I'm, I don't have time. I'm not that competitive. So I just thought, I don't even know what made me do it. I typed word with friends cheat. <laughs> and there's an app where you put in <laughs> what's on the board is. and you put in what letter, letters you have. <laughs> and I've then, never heard of someone cheat. <laughs> yeah, it gives you the best words. And you actually have to tell it. Do you want extremely hard, hard, medium? Do you want people to think you're really smart? Well, no, because if I would use these words, <laughs> like, like Chinhua, I'm like... <laughs> She'll be like, use chin hua in a sentence. <laughs> like, That's I, amazing. I don't know. I hurt my chin hua. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. So I had to use like the medium one, but and, and then I felt really guilty, so I ended you up having to tell her. Yeah. He came clean. Whoever made yeah. that app is making so much money. Probably. Yeah. Are there apps to cheat on other games? Probably. I don't know. I want to know. Must be. There I'm going to go be. down a, a hole. Yeah, tonight. this is, this is uh, you know, what tonight's can activity. I cheat on <laughs> so, yeah, so he's like me. He's competitive but lazy. So when he was playing, he's like seven years old and he was playing uh, baseball. Uh-huh. I saw him last season. The moment it happened, I saw it go off a giant light bulb in his head. He realized that at his age, the kids aren't really, they don't have the dexterity to throw accurately mm. or catch accurately. So as long as he hits the ball anywhere, all he has to do is run to the bases, not even look at the ball, listen to the coaches at all. He's probably going to be safe at every base and get a home run. Yeah. He had like nine home runs and one out. You know, they got lucky. Amazing. Yeah. So star player. That's yeah. what he is. Smarter. Works smarter. That's the fourth one, I think. Really? <laughs> Lazy competitive. Yeah. It's, I mean, he's going to do well in life, I think. Yeah. He's yeah. going to figure out all the hacks. It's so I interesting to so. see the different ways people are competitive. Like, right. So I did competitive gymnastics my whole life and did it in college and like national champion. And wow. I was never competitive with my other people. I would come in with like an ego of I am the best because I was. Like, right. But... I was never, if I saw someone do something, I was like, oh, I hope she doesn't fall. You know, I wouldn't say that stuff or I wouldn't think, oh, I have to beat her. I would just say, okay, this is what I have to do in order to beat myself. Stay in your own lane. Yeah, yeah. And it was like all just so encapsulated within me. Mm -hmm. But it's different, I think, when you do a sport like sparring. 
You right. literally have to beat the other yeah, person. Yeah, you can't really stay in your own lane there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to get right in their lane. Yeah. Um, yeah, I needless to say I didn't uh, I didn't do that competitively for too okay. long. I got to the point where I was like, do I really need to be beating up other people yeah. as a hobby? Probably not. You know, the interesting thing about Taekwondo and I had this beautiful amazing coach um who and it was such a great thing and I absolutely hope that my son will learn martial arts at, at some point because it was an amazing thing for me growing up, but what they taught us constantly was do not fight. Mm-hmm. Walk away at every chance that you get. If someone comes and asks you for your wallet, give it to them. Someone tries to steal your watch, you give them your watch. Do not fight. Only use this if it's life and death and you have to, absolutely have to. But it gives you this confidence when you walk around like, I can walk down the street and I don't think someone's going to mess with me. I know that I'm going to give them what they want and I'm not going to fight. But you look people in the eye and you walk with a certain posture that I think makes people think twice about mm-hmm. targeting you as a victim. And That's that was really an amazing thing. Yeah. By the way, can I have your wallet? <laughs> I guess. You know, <laughs> I don't know how much is in there. I know. And it's so important as a woman, too, you know, like when you're right. walking around. And I think that that's something people can pick up on. So, yeah, that air of confidence really can go into any part of your life. Right. I think it's it's been so useful. And, and um, I'm very grateful that my little brother didn't want to go on his own. <laughs> and I, I came with him. When did you get into acting? How did that come about? So it actually came about because I was a swimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing, well, firstly, I was doing television commercials to make some extra money. What does that mean? How do you just end up doing television commercials? Well, were you in at high first school, I was you, a medical typist for my father and he was paying me $5 an hour. This and is I, when in life? This is like maybe 14, 15. Okay. And so high school? High school. And I was like, there's got to be a better way to make money than this. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> I can't even buy my lunch. Five bucks isn't going to get me far. And it's boring. I've got to think of something else. So I did this, uh, I rolled in this screen acting course just for fun. And as a part of it, you know, they suggested at the end, hey, why don't you do television commercials? You seem like you would have fun with it and you would like it. And so I gave it a try and I did a couple. And then uh, this. What tel- are the commercials for? I did Sizzlers. Oh, you, in Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're dying dream, out here. But they're... Right. Well, not I Outback? It was, no, not Outback. <laughs> but it was the dream job for me because yeah. I ate cheese bread and drank pink lemonade all day long. <laughs> Wait a second. Maybe I could do commercials. <laughs> it was awesome. I was, thought I was killing it. I made a couple hundred bucks. I was like, I'm rich. Um, and then That's I, a lot of medical typing. I'm full. Right. It's true. And much easier than yeah. that. I didn't even have to think. And so the, the commercial agent I had at the time said, look, I know you're a swimmer and I know you play water polo and we have this audition for a series to play Mermaid. Oh. And they need someone who can swim. And I didn't really have any acting experience at the time. Aside from, I'm so out of breath, pregnancy. <laughs> Aside from the fact that I had uh, failed ninth grade drama. That was my, my but you always claim to good fame. <laughs> claim to fame. And so I said, sure, yeah, I'll go, I'll go try. So I made it through the acting rounds by the you know skin of my teeth. And then we got to the swimming round and they said, okay, we just want you to swim. It was a 50-meter Olympic pool. I said, swim as, you, as far as you can underwater. I swam the entire length of the pool wow. underwater. And I came up and I think I had the job. Yeah. I don't wow. think they cared about you. Okay. Know, they were like, we can teach you how to act, <laughs> but it's pretty hard to teach someone how to swim like that. Yeah. So, so I got the job and it was amazing because it was such incredible training for me. I had myself and the other two girls who uh, were on the show with me. We had no idea what we were doing at all. You're all swimmers. They kind of learned along the way, but they were more actors. <laughs> and you were more swimmer, and it just right. kind of came yeah, together. Yeah, so it merged. And, it and, merged and submerged. 
And so it was great. You know, it ended up being a show that is still on Netflix today. And oh, really? Yeah, I shot it when I was 16. Wow. Oh, that's so 30 cool. now. Don't tell anyone. I won't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Edit that part out. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's it's been amazing. And it was the, the way I got my start in acting. And, you know, I realized I had always planned on going to university and I really wanted to get my education and this was just a way for me to save money. So I started filming the show in the 12th grade and I would work 12-hour days or whatever and then I would go home and I would study for four hours at night and make sure I did all my schoolwork and then I would sleep a few hours and I would get up and I would go to work again. So it was it was really tough, but I just thought, you know, I'm going to put this money in the bank and then I can go to college and I won't have to worry about it. And then I found out that I really loved it and I wanted to keep doing it and... People go to college to get a job, and I already had one, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So I you didn't should, go? No, I never went. There you have it, kids. Um, Drop on out. Still time. What? Oh, you still might go? Why? You I don't know. know. Like, I think about that all the time. Yeah, why not? What would you want to do? Study? Uh, you know, I I look into, I was actually going to do it last year, and then I ended up going to China to do a film, but I'd love to go and do the UCLA summer series. They have, like, classes on neuroscience and psychology and just things that are interesting that, you know, I'm obviously never going to get a job in. What's going to hire me? you can walk into a hospital and just say, hey, I'm not really good at neuroscience, but I'm a great swimmer. Maybe I can get a right. staff job here. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I'll pick up the doctor stuff along the way. Right. I'll start as an orderly. I'll work my way up. <laughs> great. Uh, where did your acting career go from Mermaid? So I did two seasons of that show. and then What's it called? It's called H2O. Oh, H2O. How appropriate. Yep, very appropriate. <laughs> it's actually H2O, just add water, which doesn't really make sense because it's water, just add water. Right. So I just leave that part out. <laughs> Stephen Wright. Do you know Stephen Wright? That's his joke. I, I bought powdered water, but I didn't know what to add. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. There you have it. There you have it. So I came out to the States and I was completely delusional. And I thought, because this was the first acting job I'd ever auditioned for, I thought they were all like that. Mm-hmm. And you just got whatever you... Just hop in the pool and swim. Yeah, you just got the job. And so I came out here and I, I uh, had a rude awakening oh. and realized it didn't quite work like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Did you come straight to Los Angeles? Came straight to LA. I mean, it's the first island you come to. Right. Yeah. Really, from your part of the world. Right. Was and it weird getting used to seasons and time being it, the opposite? Yeah, it was different. It was different. I was still young and naive enough to just be a little reckless and not care about um, where the huge change that was taking place in my life and like the real gravity of what I was doing at 20 years old because I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anyone. I had a suitcase and I had no idea how I was really going to live or make money. I just yeah. figured that oh, yeah. I would that work That sounds it like out. me at 44. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're doing pretty well. No, I have one friend. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's on Facebook and, and or whatever. So, so it was difficult sort of for that first year because needless to say, it didn't work the way I thought it did. And I had to audition and I got a lot of no's. I think actually I did... 144 auditions before I got my first job out. Really? And that was at a time where, you know, it was constant and it was it was different than it is now. Um, mm-hmm. Getting auditions, you know, you can just send self-tapes in now. But they, oh. you used to have to go every day and, yep. you know, it was, it was really tough. And there were times where I thought, oh, gosh, what am I doing? I made a terrible mistake. I need to just go back. Learn how to type. Learn how to type. <laughs> go to college. You know, I tried. And then I got... My first little job, and then I got another one, guest starring a couple episodes on this, and then maybe so a year and a half into my time here, maybe two years, that was when I booked The Vampire Diaries, Ah. which at the time was just a three-episode guest star, and 
I just figured I'd go to Atlanta for a, a couple of episodes and it would be great. And, you know, I, I was just working my way up and trying to figure it out. And it turned into seven years. Okay. So it was really awesome. And but it was difficult to get there for sure. Well, that's your persistence. Yeah. During that time, are you, are you doing like acting classes and Yeah, I'm, I'm working with coaches and also, um, you know, I didn't really have, I couldn't work because I didn't have a green card at that point. I was oh. just on a, a tr- visa. So I was, you know, living by the skin of my teeth on, yeah. you know, eating omelets and cereal. And, you know, I think there was a point where I maybe got to $100 in my bag. I had an old Volvo that like rattled when I drove wow. and the key didn't really work and you'd have to like, rig it to get <laughs> into the car. Um, thankfully, I had a black button taekwondo so on, a, on a street <laughs> really? at night. I wasn't yeah. too worried. But it was it was hard. I really got very close to not being able to stay. So what kept you here staying? That competitive nature, I believe. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. You know, and I just, I remember there was one time I was sitting on a bus stop. I was 21, just turned 21. And it was on Sunset Boulevard and I was just bawling my eyes out on on the bus stop. And Mm -hmm. I, and I just thought, what am I doing? I've made this huge mistake. I've got to go home. Like, I can't keep doing this. And then something inside of me was like, you know what? You can't quit. You just got to pick yourself up, dust off your knees, (laughs) keep going. And really soon after that was when, um, thankfully, I started working. And up until now, it's been a pretty steady stream. (laughs) You know, um, I always think of auditioning as like door-to-door vacuum salesman. Totally. Like you have to knock on 100 doors or 150 doors Mm -hmm. and get them slammed in your face and still dust yourself off, pick yourself up, go to the next door as if this is going to be the sale. Yeah. Yeah. And give it your A game, and then it gets slammed on your face and do it again. And then 150 times later, or yep. 75 times later, you sell a vacuum. Yeah, and you got to try not to get bitter in yeah. that time period, or, or resentful, or lose your passion for it, or the spark, or whatever excited you in the first place, which can be difficult. Yeah, what is it that you like? Because you, you seem to be passionate about acting, like you really like acting, not just the gig of it, but. Yeah, you know. I, I've thought many times, how do I explain it? Because I'm not really sure. And I come from a very academic family. Mm. And it's difficult to explain this thing that comes over me. But it, it's like a fire, like a warmth inside of me when I'm doing it. And I feel energized and invigorated. And like when I go home at the end of the day, I go to sleep smiling. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that is other than passion. And I don't mm. know where it comes from. But um, I do know that when I'm not doing it, I really miss it. Oh, have you have you done theater as well? I actually haven't, and I'm incredibly in awe of theatrical actors and actresses because I think that that's far more difficult than television or film. That's and interesting. It's you know you do it every day, you know, day and night, and you have to bring that same level of energy and performance every time, and you know you can't mess up. And so I think it's much more difficult than. Well, you can. You just yeah. There's so many. There's so many unknowns. They just can't know that even because I was a drama major in college. Oh wow! Amazing. Theater only. And I, when you were talking about loving to do it and having that fire in your belly and just Uh the passion, I loved it. You did. But there was the audience, and it was instant. Even though you put a lot of work into getting ready for a show. Like in the show, you you see the feedback right there in front mm-hmm. of you. It's instant. And right. there is that live theater kind of, yeah, stuff goes wrong all the time. And it's just you. how do you recover from it without anybody knowing that something went awfully Which is wrong. An incredible skill. But also of part itself. of the, the wonderfulness of theater as well is, is are you so prepared and do you have enough guts to recover in a way that keeps the story going? Exactly. And then you don't 
lose it for the rest of the performance. For the rest of the performance. And get in your head. Yeah. Oh, I never forget playing a drunk Santa Claus. And um, <laughs> <coughs> there's this big moment where I'm center stage and there's five steps. And there's thunder and lightning, crashing thunder and lightning. And I fall onto my butt and bounce down those five steps and land on the floor like I'm having a heart attack. Very dramatic. And I practiced it so many times how to do it without injuring myself. Right. Again and again, I got really good at it, right? And then the sound guy, right before that cue, somebody leaves and the door closes behind him, but there's no real door. So there's just a little click for the door closing. Uh The sound guy forgot to do the click. So I'm standing center stage and I'm ready for my big moment. And instead of thunder, there's a click. But I don't realize that it's just a click. So I start bouncing down, clutching my (laughs) test. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my God, that was just a click. And I'm laying there (laughs) clutching. And then all of a sudden the thunder Thunder! comes and I have to outdo that. (laughs) But that's part of live theater. Yeah, yeah. They nailed it. The worst one I had was uh, my dress split in the middle of a scene. Oh, no. So it was like a (laughs) six-person show. So you're constantly on stage. I had like two exits the entire play. And we just did this scene. We're like panging on things and then like come up. And my dress just rips below my butt, like (gasps) all the way down. And I'm like, oh, I feel it. I'm still on stage for like another 10 minutes. I have to tell and figure out how... And I'm acting weird. My blocking's all off because I'm like trying <laughs> yeah. just not Blocking. to turn around. You just showed the audience. I could have showed it. Yeah, the next night, Phil's <laughs> people out the door, scalping tipping. Yeah. It was crazy. But yeah, I had to kind of signal. And I kind of went over to my, my co-star. And I was like, oh, you know, and kind of put her hand there. And she was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And so we put the whole thing. But we had to do it all. And oh, you wow. have to rely on your co-stars at that time to save your butt. Literally. Literally. <laughs> hey, literally. literally. That's a lot more difficult yeah, than what I do. Somebody skips like five pages of dialogue. Yeah. You know? You and you look recover. at them, you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys are the not selling theater to me. <laughs> oh no, but it's that's part of the that's part that's of why the, we do right, it. the rush. Of it, the I rush, guess. yeah, <laughs> it's the improv of it. I would much rather do TV and film because they can yell cut, you mess up, it's okay. You right, know. you can go have a snack. It's fine, yeah, you're you know. sick. You voice it over later, like whatever. Right. <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, now you're all prego. I am all prego. And there's a lot to talk about there, but we're going to yeah. take a very quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk to Claire Rhiannon. <laughs> Rhiannon. 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 We're going to talk it's to gonna Claire Rhiannon. It's going to be one of those things that you're going to say wrong for the rest of your life now. <laughs> I want to get right. It's like Anne. You're Anne. Rhiannon. Claire Rhiannon. Rhiannon. It's just Anne for short. Yeah. Claire and Holt. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're back with co-host Juliet and our guest, Claire Ann Holt. Claire Ann. My mom's name is Ann, actually. Really? Yeah. Maybe. Do you think that's why she named you Re-Ann-On? I think she liked the song. Is there a, is there a song? Not that one. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> no, I like that. I'm mean, going to use that now. Yeah. I'm say that's what I'm named after. That's yeah, exactly. in my head for at uh, least two welcome. days now. You're welcome. You. I know me too. <laughs> Uh, so, Claire, I can't help but notice your bump. Yes, it's there. It's there. Not quite as big as my bump, but we'll get back into that at some other point. You want to compete and measure? I, <laughs> I, like I would not compete with you because I know I'll lose. <laughs> you will. <laughs> it's not worth it. I'll get my little son to compete with you, though. I'd love that. He'll figure out a smart way to get a bigger bump. So, pregnancy. Uh, first of all, where, where's, how did you meet your partner? We got set up through a, a mutual friend, a guy friend of mine, actually, and I was not looking for a relationship at the time. 
But uh, he said to me, look, just come out and have a drink. I know you can stay for one drink and go home. And I was miserable and cranky and didn't <laughs> want to go out. And I, uh, I, I agreed because he'd been such a good friend to me. I'd go out for one drink. And thank God I did because hmm. I met my lovely husband. And it was very immediate. I mean, not so, so maybe the first week <laughs> I was still oh, a little standoffish. It wasn't like halfway through your drink. No, it wasn't halfway through the drink. <laughs> it was halfway through the fifth drink probably. Oh, okay. No. Uh, so later that night. <laughs> no, so, so within, you know, a month, we sort of knew that that was that. What and What we about were, it? What makes you so sure? Was there a fire in your belly? Just yeah, a... it was like the it was like the fire I get when I'm at work. It's, wow. it's very interesting. It, it was for both of us, I think, um, just an immediate like connection and like an, a soul connection mm. and something that was really beautiful and special. And, you know, I feel so lucky that I went for that drink that night. Wow. I can't believe that I nearly stayed home. I'm going to not turn down drink offers anymore. <laughs> ever, ever You know, again. my mom has a saying, and it, she said it to me ever since I was a kid, and it's get up, dress up, show up. Mm. And you can go home if you want, but you just got to show up. And so I always used to say that to myself whenever I didn't want to do something, I didn't want to go to an audition, I didn't want to try something new, put myself out there, go out for a drink, go to this dinner. I was always like, okay, I just have to go, and if I'm having a bad time, I can go home. And so that's, you know, been my, my motto throughout my life. And uh, those are really well. powerful little snippets that your parents put into you. Because yeah, I heard one also from your dad, which yep. is, was, did you tell me? Or? Yeah, maybe my sister. Could pain be. is weakness leaving pain the body. Pain is weakness leaving your body. Oh, I love that one. I've heard that before. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are like really powerful when you yeah. need to do something and that you don't really want to do and mm-hmm. get through something that seems uncomfortable or undoable. It's great. You just repeat it to yourself over and over. Do you have one for uh, your birth? I think that's going to be <laughs> <laughs> Pain is baby leaving the body. <laughs> We're going to name the baby. I don't know if I want to refer to him as weakness, though. Yeah, I <laughs> no, know. it's baby leaving the body, not weakness. Right. <laughs> that's his name. So I don't know. <laughs> weakness has left to... the body. <laughs> oh, poor little guy. Uh, when, when did you start thinking kids? Really quickly, which is not like me at all. Six uh, drink? <laughs> <laughs> no, we sort of started talking about it maybe within like two months of being together. Wow. wow. Yeah. Very you guys move really fast. Yeah, we you did. You really wanted a fire in that belly. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's really funny because he said something to me the other day that was so beautiful. And he's so excited about this baby. And he just said to me, um, I think I was born to be a dad. And it just is, it was so special to me. And, and I know that he's felt that way for a long time and he will be the most incredible father. But he really, he was on board. You know, he he was so excited about it. And, and so very early on we decided. And I guess it could have gone terribly. But thankfully it's been a beautiful, wonderful experience. I couldn't imagine doing it with another partner. Had you thought previously about motherhood? Not so much. No. I, I knew I wanted to have children. And I knew that hopefully one day that that would happen to me. But I had always been so career driven Mm -hmm. that I thought that it would happen later in life for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think a lot about my fertility. And Mm -hmm. so I just thought, I'll just do it when I'm, you know, if I start at 35, that's the age. That's the the deadline, right? (laughs) You know, just by the time I'm 35, it's fine. It's industry standard, really. Right. It is really (laughs) industry standard. Right. So I, I hadn't thought so much about it. And then... It just felt really right and really natural, and it was this immediate, like, knowing, I I think. Did it take long to get pregnant? So I came off birth control at the time, very early, and then it took me a long time to get my period. So um, I'd been on it for 13 years, and I didn't get my period for probably six months. Oh, wow. Was that frustrating to you? 
Uh, yeah, it was because it was something I couldn't control and mm-hmm. I'm very type A and I like to be in control <laughs> of things. So it was very frustrating to me because it was nothing I could do. I felt like I was doing everything I could. I was having the acupuncture and I was changing my diet and trying to do all the things that they tell you that you know naturally regulate women's cycles. But it just didn't happen for me. And then when I when it did finally come, and it ended up coming because I did a, something called a progesterone challenge, mm-hmm. which is where you take five a course of progesterone and then you come off it and the withdrawal should trigger a period. When it did finally come, I got pregnant the second cycle. So Wow. Okay, first of all, there's probably nobody ever happier in their life to see their period start. Yeah, I was <laughs> thrilled. At that moment. I was thrilled. Yes! <laughs> I was really thrilled. It's here. Um and uh, that second cycle, I was, we were beside ourselves. Like, we were so thrilled. And, and it was just How did like, you find out? I had started to feel a little sick. I remember p- going to pick my husband up from the airport. And I pulled over and <laughs> the side of the road and puked. Oh, wow. And it was like three days before my period was due or something. And I was like, I don't, this feels a little early, but that's strange. I don't normally do that. And I was feeling nauseous for a couple of days. And then I started to see these ads on TV, which I'd never seen before for pregnancy tests. <laughs> They've <laughs> always been like, there. Is this a sign? I don't know what this is. Anyway, so finally, you know, I bit the bullet and there were people downstairs. I don't know why I decided to take the test when people were over, <laughs> but I did. And, you know, it was positive straight away. And so I called my husband up and he was just so excited and we were both crying and thrilled and couldn't believe it and didn't really know what to do next and what we were supposed to do. And it was very, you know, foreign to the both of us, but it was amazing. And so for the next few weeks, I think we had our first doctor's appointment around six weeks and we got a heartbeat and there was no reason to think that anything was going to go wrong and it was really healthy. And, you know, we were thrilled and excited and I, I didn't feel terrible. I felt a little nauseous, but I didn't really have typical like first trimester symptoms at that point. And then a couple of weeks later, my gynecologist at the time didn't deliver babies. So I I was looking for another doctor and we went to another doctor a couple of weeks later at eight weeks. And he said to me, "Mm, the baby's measuring small. Don't put it on Facebook. Hmm. Whoa. (laughs) And, you know, it was just like so shocking to us because I had no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Do some babies measure small? What do you mean don't put it on Facebook? Do you mean just like wait because everyone should wait? Or like is there a problem? Does this mean something? What's the heart rate? And, you know, the tech was like, well, it's there but it's low. And but they didn't really tell us anything. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And did you have those questions in the moment or they were I just- was just – I think both of us were just so shocked and confused because we had no reason to believe that something was going wrong. I had mm-hmm. no bleeding. I had no cramping. Um, I'd had a heartbeat a couple of weeks before with my gynecologist. So we were just confused. So the doctor said, you know, uh, well, I'm going to draw some blood and and we'll see where we're at. And, you know, maybe you can come back in two weeks or whatever. It's like two weeks. I'm go- what, That's too long. I can't possibly wait that long. Can I? He goes, well, you can come back in a week if you want. So. Wow. So touching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we uh, went outside and I took the blood and that was actually a really horrific weekend. And it was a Friday that that happened. And I would almost say that that was equally as hard as what we went through after because it was the first time that we ever really thought that something may not go right. It was actually this time last year. It was Super Bowl weekend. Oh, oh yeah. wow. So for that weekend, I just remember feeling like this sense of like, oh, my God, what have I done? Have I done something? 
Did I, like was this was my fault? fault? Should I not have gone running? Should I not have exercised? Did I eat something bad? Was it because I wore perfume? Is it because I had a glass of wine like two days before I found out I was pregnant? I've done something. And so I really had to focus on like getting out of that place and just like trying to hope that things would be okay. And then the next week I went back to the gynecologist who doesn't deliver babies but is just a beautiful, beautiful woman and said, just come back in. We'll check again. Let me check and make sure there was still a heartbeat. She said, look, it's a little bit small, but this happens. Sometimes we get the dates wrong. You know, just don't give up hope. Just hang in there. So uh, two weeks after that, then we got to 11 weeks and we went in for what would be the genetic blood test. And I don't know if she, maybe she had an idea that because it was measuring small, she should do another ultrasound because I don't know if it's common to get that many ultrasounds. Uh, and it was my husband's birthday, sadly. Oh and we went in and uh, immediately there was no flicker and I saw it straight away. Oh, wow. And I knew to look for that flicker of that heartbeat and it wasn't there. And the first thing I said was, where's the flicker? Where's the heartbeat? She said, it's okay, maybe I just have the wand in the wrong place. You know, sometimes this happens. You know, of course, after looking for another few minutes, there was no heartbeat. And uh, I said, I, I, I want to hear it. I need to know it's not there. And she goes, are you sure that you want to do that? And I was like, yes, I need you to turn the sound on. So she turned the sound on and obviously there was no sound. And it was devastating. I think it was the hardest thing I've ever dealt with in my life. And I've you know, I had people close to me pass away, which was horrific. But this was something that it, it felt like that times 10 with the guilt of I couldn't do this. Being your fault. Mm-hmm. And, and so and my husband was just so beautiful. And I can't believe <laughs> I booked the appointment on his birthday. That was just like <laughs> such a douche move on my part. <laughs> but, um, Only in retrospect. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, you didn't know. Well, I thought it was going to be a nice, you know, treat to see the baby. But... Anyway, so we went home and we both cried. And my family actually happened to be in town for uh, my sister's wedding celebration. Mm. So my mom was there and my dad was there and my siblings were wow. there. So a lot of people were around. and it So was, did they all know you were pregnant? They knew I was pregnant, yes. Oh. I told them. I can't keep a secret. Yeah. No. So well, I can if it's important. I couldn't keep that secret. Mm. So um, they knew I was pregnant and they were all there when, you know, they, we told everyone. So you, that's a little different because um, a lot of people don't tell anybody right. and then they're totally alone. Right. And was it helpful to you to have support Yes, and that's you? something I'm so passionate about now. Um, I don't understand why you would have to suffer through that alone. And I understand some people have, you know, personal preferences and they like privacy and they don't like to talk about things and maybe it's better for them to cope if you don't share. But it feels really sad to me that we would have to like get to this point in a pregnancy god forbid something did happen then no one has to know about it mm-hmm. you know as a po- why can't we tell people when we're six weeks eight weeks and share on the celebration and the excitement and then have a shoulder to cry on when something doesn't go right you know did you know anybody who had a miscarriage before that so i, knew, I had a few friends who had had them my mom had actually had two, but she'd never talked about it in a way that was that it was incredibly traumatic. Mm. And I know in hindsight it really was for her, mm-hmm. but she hadn't shared that with me. And the friends who had had miscarriages hadn't really shared how traumatic it was with me. It had been like I knew about their pregnancies, they lost their pregnancies, and then I didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do. No one really talked about it. And it was something that I, at the beginning, I always knew I was going to share at some point. Because I immediately went to the internet when I got home and I just started Googling. 
I had a miscarriage. Well, how do you cope? What do you do? Is it my fault? Um, skills. How how do I get through this? How do I? Uh, I can't believe I've done this to my husband. He just wanted to be a dad, and it, I couldn't get, give him that. You know, I, I was just desperate for a community, and I found just some amazing resources and some amazing women who were really open and vulnerable about it. And so, I knew that at some point when I was ready, I didn't know when that was going to be, that I would share my story too. But, you know, for the first sort of week to 10 days, it was like just so dark for me. And I think probably three to four days afterwards, and I don't know if this has anything to do with the hormone drop or what happens, but I couldn't get out of bed. I I couldn't. My husband sadly had to go away for a few days for a really important uh, work trip, and I just wouldn't even answer his phone calls. You know, and I I just like my family was still there and I shut my bedroom door and I couldn't come out. and I didn't know how to talk. So strong. Yeah. And then, you know, it it started every day like it it would get a little bit better and a little bit better. It was still really horrific to me. And then I think it was about 10 days after the miscarriage that I decided I was going to post something. And I sat down on my computer and the words came out of me. And I didn't really think about it. And it just was as if, I don't know where it came from or who it came from, but it felt like something that was very important. We are going to take a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. (laughs) Was that cathartic for you? Yeah. Really cathartic. But I was terrified about it. I was terrified to share it with so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, I was terrified of feeling ashamed and that people would think it was my fault. I was terrified that people would think, you know, oh, you haven't been with your husband long. I can't believe you got pregnant or, you know, like oh, crazy things yeah. that uh, no. And I found none of that. Wow. I found the most beautiful, incredible support system from Everyone from every walk of life, from women, from men. So many men reached out to me directly mm. or in the comments sharing their story and talking about what it meant to them and, you know, how difficult it was for them to watch their partners or sisters or wives go through it. So many women. I think my, I think the post has over 40,000 comments. Wow. Uh, comments. Comments. I mean, you were just so, I mean, you're very likable in general and you're Thank real. You. You're very real. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just speaking from, I'm like, my eyes are welling up oh, just yeah. hearing you talk about it. And, you know, our first, our first pregnancy ended in miscarriage also, but we didn't know anybody else who had had one. Really? Like, why us? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, know. that's what you feel like. Why me? And then um, we just, uh, this morning, someone walked into my office and she's pregnant now and midway through pregnancy. And um, we were talking during her intake and she's like, yeah, but I had a miscarriage and it wrecked me. And she, you could see her just stop for a second. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I really appreciate it. We've had a few people come and talk about their experience, mm-hmm. but most people don't. So I'm really grateful when oh, you yeah. do. And um, you're just so genuine. And I think even probably some internet trolls left positive feedback. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, it, so. it, you know, it's something that I think I've healed from because I shared and because I didn't feel alone. And that's one of the things that I think is so awful about going through something like that. If you don't share and if you don't have the knowledge and if you don't know how common it is, you feel really isolated. Yeah. And 
You keep blaming yourself. I'm pretty sure right. there's, you should do 23 and Me. There's probably at least 5% Jewish in there. It's <laughs> a lot of self guilt. I do. <laughs> I have like 1% Ashkenazi Jew. I know. Nice. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of that. And, and I think it's just such an important thing to talk about because after I did, I connected with so many women who had been through the same thing mm-hmm. and who had found it equally devastating. And I think there's this misconception that because you never met the child, that you didn't feel connected to it or you didn't feel like a mother or you didn't or the loss wasn't as significant and I just think that that's so far from the truth because it felt more significant to me than any loss in my life and you know that's not to underplay some of the losses I've had because I've had very amazing incredible people pass away but this to me just felt so much heavier and so much more difficult to manage it's a piece of you. It's like you, yeah. know, you. This is your soul and heart and body. You're mm-hmm. going into this thing, and then it's, yeah, and you, you know? you know, the second you become pregnant, I feel that you become a mother, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you go back and you're not one anymore. I do sometimes, like now that you're pregnant, towards the end of a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I sometimes wonder. In the introduction, even I was going to say she's expecting her first baby, but maybe yeah. you feel like it's your second baby. And you know, I I do I say it's my first, um, but I do feel that way, mm-hmm. and I also feel that we get the children that we're meant to have, mm-hmm. and I feel that I wouldn't have met this little guy if that pregnancy had gone ahead, and there must be a reason for that. And you know, I found more of a, a spiritual outlook as I've gotten further away from it and more distance and I've healed more at mm-hmm. the time there was none of that there was mm-hmm. just anger and frustration I didn't feel a sense of spirituality I didn't feel connected to myself or anything greater than me I was just mad and through the healing process and allowing myself to grieve and connecting with other people and having time and distance and space I've gotten to a place where I think you know there was a reason that that happened to me and um, as awful as it was I wouldn't change it. And it's really hard to say that because I don't mean that in a way that like I didn't want that baby or I didn't want that life. But I've learned so much and I think that I now can hopefully help other people through this journey. And that's really important to me. I sort of have a little flashback to interviewing Kat Von D on the podcast. And mm-hmm. I asked her about her first tattoo, and it was a J for some guy whose name started with J. <laughs> and she says, but now it stands for just kidding. And uh, <laughs> I was like, do you ever think about just taking it off, you know? And mm-hmm. she's like, no. It's like my body is my canvas of my life. Every piece is important to me. It got me to where I am today. Right. And that's kind of what I hear you saying also yeah. about that experience. And where we are today is uh, third trimester. Third trimester. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, okay, first of all, have you had any pregnancy cravings? Bell peppers. Really? It's so weird. Bell I cannot peppers. get enough of red bell peppers. In fact, I ate two before I came here. No, <laughs> I, ate, I on ate one me. like an apple on the way here, actually, which is really weird. <laughs> you did? Yeah. I've never had anyone like like the apple. Iron Chef guy. He I just said that eating bell pepper. I was probably well, eating it. Weird. I at least. <laughs> 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 and now she's like, "Oh my crap, my bread? No, <laughs> no, I, I love. I cannot get enough of them. Enough of vitamin Raw doesn't matter. Has to be raw. Has to be raw. Just red or any color. I've been going for the red. I'm mm-hmm. sure I could tolerate the orange. <laughs> Greens, though? Like, no. 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 Who even eats green peppers? No, no one. They should get rid of them. <laughs> Why is, um, how has pregnancy been for you compared to how you thought it would be? You know, it's been a, such an interesting journey, and I think it is definitely because of my experience with the miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a very hard time connecting at the beginning, and I've been 
I don't want to say crippled with anxiety because that's not fair, but I've really had to tackle a lot of anxiety through the process. You know, the first trimester I was really, really sick, which they say is a good sign, but I just kept thinking to myself, if I have to go through all this and then I lose this baby again, I don't know if I can do this. Mm -hmm. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I can do it again. And then, you know, I got to the genetic test and everything was okay. And then I got to 14 weeks and everything was okay. And I just had told myself, I just got to get to that, that point and then I'll be fine. And then I won't be anxious. And then you can post on Facebook. And then I can put it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and then actually when I did post and share the news of my pregnancy, I got this overwhelming fear after the fact. Like, oh, yeah, I would. It's out there now and I can't take it back. And what if something happens? And, you know, so I got through that and then I got to the 20-week scan. And then I was like, I just need to get there. And then I can see that everything's okay. And I can see that his heart works and he's got five fingers, five fingers. I hope he has 10. <laughs> on each hand. <laughs> on each hand. 10 fingers and 10 toes. And and then I, of course, spread some article somewhere and all of a sudden became terrified that he was going to have intrauterine growth disorder or whatever, which is like yeah. not, a th- why would I think that? So that was my thing. And then, you know, once I, I realized he w- did not have that and he was in fact a very large baby. You know, it became sadly stillbirth. And, and once I hit mm-hmm. my, my third trimester, I started to worry about stillbirth and what is the rate of stillbirth and, you know, hey, is there anything I can do to prevent it? And is it, I slept on my right side last night and, they, you know, the studies say that, well, I work up on my back and the studies say that you can't do that. And this, you know. And so, this is not really you. No. <laughs> as this is like opposite Claire. Yeah, it's really not me. And I've had to work very hard to get out of my head like that to stay away from Dr. Google <laughs> because that's never a good idea. I know. He's open 24 hours. He yep. speaks 72 languages. It's, it's crazy. horrible. Yeah. He shouldn't be so available. No. He's <laughs> uh, the only doctor that's available sometimes. It's though, true. So. Yeah. It's true. Um, so I, I've really had to work hard to get out of my head and, and just be present in this journey. And, you know, I, I had a hard time connecting up until I'd say about 25 weeks. I tried to and I, I wanted to. But I just, you know, I didn't start the nursery till quite late because I, I was superstitious and I didn't want to have to unpack a nursery. You know, all these really sad, morbid things that, you know, the chances are it's never going to happen to me. And um, But I just have this experience and this fear that sort of simmers My underneath it, everything. I, I mean, Alyssa and I went through all those same yeah. exact things uh, in our pregnancy that led to our son. Even after that, uh even holding him didn't make it feel quite real. Really? Yet. We were still wondering, like, okay, he's here, but what's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember the first time he slept five hours straight. We woke up, and we should have been the happiest people on the planet. We both jumped out of bed and ran to, to his room. Terrified. Terrified. I was yeah. like, where, why, how come he didn't wake up and cry? And, yeah. You know, after that, I, I think we started to let go a little you bit. You did? Yeah. I hope that's the case for me. Yeah. I can see myself still at 18. In. I haven't heard from you in an hour. Where are you? What are you doing? Yeah, no, I can't let myself buy one of those like owlet socks or anything. Oh, because right. if the alarm goes off, I'm going to be and like. I have a lot of false positives and false negatives. Right. So. I'm, I'm so. It's, I want it's, the owlet sock for me, though. I'm I know. I wouldn't mind it. Yeah. Actually, it's a great idea. Owlet senior. <laughs> uh, birth. What do you have in store for birth? So, right now he's head down, which I'm thrilled about. I would love to have a unmedicated vaginal delivery. Whoa. You guys don't say vaginal? Do we say vaginal? I, I don't know. know. I do. Probably. I've do been here long it? enough. I say some things like Americans now oh. and then other things I say like an Australian. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like stupid I've been saying a lot. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of stupid. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I would love that. 
I don't know what's going to happen right now because my doctor uh, is going on a mission to Guatemala to save babies. How dare she? Yeah. Shame. Right over my due date. Awful so, person. <laughs> it's on purpose. <laughs> so selfish, obviously. I don't know. Maybe it's full circle, though. Yeah, maybe. No, she's been so incredible throughout this journey and has been such an amazing tool for me because I have been so anxious. And, you know, she very early on talked to me about her miscarriages and how she was very anxious too and how she was giving herself ultrasounds. (laughs) Yeah, and she was really, like, open sharing that stuff with me. So I feel very connected to her and I feel that I would really like her to deliver my baby. So that's something that, you know, I have another eight or so weeks to (laughs) figure out. Um, Plus or minus. Buy a ticket to Guatemala. Right. That's true. I didn't think of that. go to Guatemala. There you go. Just show up at a day. (laughs) No, you're a bit busy. (laughs) Uh, Crowning. Time for one more. (laughs) You have a baby, right? Um, So, yeah. And I went in thinking, went into this pregnancy thinking, I'm definitely having an epidural. You know, I come from very medical family. My father's a doctor. My brother's a doctor. My mother was a nurse. Um, my aunt's a pediatrician. My <laughs> uncle's an orthopedic surgeon. And all of them are very pro-pain medication if you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's there for a reason. Take the pain meds. you got to break the pain cycle, whatever, you know, when you have an injury or whatever. So I always thought, like, definitely going to have an epidural and I'm not going to feel anything and the baby's <laughs> going to come out. And, or, or maybe even I'll have a C-section, you know. My mother had four. She seems fine. She's very thrilled that everything's still intact down there. So I'm sure that seems like an option too. And then it was a conversation that I had with you actually, one of our first um, appointments together where where I was asking you questions about birth and labor and, and, you know, what's it like with our medication and why would anyone do that and this, that and the other. And you just really inspired me. And you made me feel like I could do it. And it was going to be a beautiful experience anyway that this baby came onto the planet. But there were some definite benefits to laboring naturally and being able to move around and being connected to the process. And so after our conversation, I went away and I did some more research like I do. <laughs> went down another Google hole. To Google. Um, and I realized, you know, it's something that I wanted to try. I wanted to try and do it naturally. And many, many women before me have done it. And it's, you know, animals in the wild do it all the time. They don't have an epidural. And so uh, my plan right now is is to attempt that. Um, Turn picture where you'd put the elephant's epidural. Yeah, where would it go? On the top? Let me get it in there. (laughs) Like sit like a cat. (laughs) Yeah, could you imagine? You're going to employ some monkeys to like scamper up the back. (laughs) Don't move for one minute. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a harpoon. (laughs) Putting the thing in. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, that might work. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I I'm excited about birth. As difficult as it's been for me to sort of get around pregnancy and the lack of control that I have over the situation, um, I'm excited about what's ahead. I know I'm going to have the challenges of not being able to control birth and not knowing how long it's going to go, which we talked about as well, mm-hmm. and not knowing how long it's going to take me to dilate and and what the process is going to be in letting go and surrendering. But I feel like it's going to be this beautiful connection with my husband and my baby and all the women that have gone before me and my mother. And it's just something that I'm so, so excited about. And you have options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, aiming for that is, is great. But right. you, you have options. Should you choose something else along the way? There's so many options around you. Right. So I will see. 
I mean, maybe baby number four, I'm going to be birthing in a tub somewhere. <laughs> but in Guatemala. Baby number four. Like, like I'm going to do <laughs> that four that. times. <laughs> There's no shot. <laughs> I wanted four kids before I got pregnant. And then now that I've been through this pregnancy as, as much as I love this little angel. <laughs> well, you have to wait and see. When the new car scent wears off, you start to get thirsty for another Do lease. Do yeah. Does it? Is that thing real where you forget? Mm-hmm. Totally. I'm pretty sure that's where your brain shrinks, like where the uh, where the mommy brain comes from. Oh, really? I think that's part of it. Otherwise, you just have like one kid and that's it. I mean, it makes sense. I know someone who like wrote a list of everything she hated about being pregnant. So she, so she had one kid, kid again. She Smart just lady. the list. <laughs> would remind Refer her. Refer to list. Oh, that's funny. Um, have you been acting during pregnancy? I haven't, which has been a challenge for me mm-hmm. because I have ever since those 144 auditions and then my first job, I've been working thankfully pretty steadily since. And this is the first time I've taken a break since I was 20. But you are working around the clock. Right. It's true. On, uh, you know, set production or reproduction yeah. <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, it's it's funny. I got a lot of validation from my work. And, uh, you know, I love it. I have such a passion for it. But I also felt a sense of accomplishment that I was lucky enough to work consistently. And so um, I've had to tackle that side of me that thinks that sitting on the couch cooking a baby is not as somehow not as valuable or I'm not working hard enough by doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said something to me very early on, which was you're working harder in your sleep than probably every man on the planet, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, which which really helped me. Well, so I mean, I, I, I attend birth and I watch you guys do this and it's just mind blowing every single time, no matter how they come out, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just mind blowing. Every I still cry pretty much at every birth. You do. I'm usually asking for an epidural. I'm like over here. <laughs> <laughs> the emotions are too much. It's overwhelming. Give me the pain meds. <laughs> um, it's it's amazing yeah. how you do it. Um, how your body is able to grow a human being inside you and bring that human being into the world through your body and feed the human being with your body. It's just incredible. It really, it is when you think about it. So it's been nice to take some time off and focus on this little guy and just you know getting good sleep and nutrition and resting and nesting and doing all those things that are important are you exercising what else are you doing to stay healthy yes i have been so not so much the first trimester i was terribly sick in fact i was uh puking on the way to my honeymoon on the plane my whole honeymoon and then back home (laughs) we went to greece my poor husband had planned this beautiful honeymoon for us and wow so his first birthday and then (laughs) i'm really an (laughs) asshole (laughs) no he was needless to say he was thrilled and he was totally fine with it um so i didn't work out a lot because i felt so ill and then the second trimester, thought I was a superhero. And, you know, I had all my energy back. And I was six days a week. Or, you know, I was on the elliptical. And I was doing a boot camp and a bar class. And I was like, this is great. I'm going to be the, one of those women on the spin bike at, the, you know, the day she gives birth. It's not really happening, actually. Um, so, you know, the last sort of week or two, I've started to really slow down. And I, I think I'm totally okay with it. I, <laughs> I was just saying earlier before you got here. Your advice to me was, you know, just do opening and stuff in the last 10 weeks of pregnancy. And today I decided I was just going to do one last bar class because, you know, <laughs> I have class pass and I've got to use up those classes. Yeah. And I pretty much broke my pelvis. Oh, wow. <laughs> I got, okay. No, I didn't. It was not good. And I, I yeah, think that was, a, fix it. that was true. <laughs> that was a lesson like, you know what? I'm going to stick to walking. 
I'm going to do my yoga. I'm going to take the time to be peaceful. I don't need to be running a marathon at 40 weeks pregnant. No. You know, I can I can sort of enjoy this time. And Somebody's been there and done that. Right. Someone's done it before me. Yeah. And I would lose. So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like that. I don't like that. Uh, well, sadly, we're out of time, but it's so easy and fun to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Thank and you for having me. Yeah. To be inspired by you. Oh, thank you. Um, I hope you'll come back afterwards. I'd love to. And share how the uh, Labor Day goes. I can meet him. Yeah. <laughs> Bring the little guy in. Do you have any, um, do you have actor friends who have kids? Yes. That are they giving you advice? Yes, lots. And and it's so helpful. What I love is is watching women still have a career after mm-hmm. they have children sometimes it's even better and and sometimes they don't want to go back to work and they take time off but seeing uh, the changes in people you know right now I haven't experienced true motherhood mm-hmm. um, so I don't know how I'm going to feel but right now I'm desperate to get back to work and back to my passion <laughs> and doing the things that I love and you and see that you can I see that I can and I see that also maybe I won't want to yeah. and that's a, a nice thing to see as well so but it's been very helpful to watch many many others go before me and and manage it all. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for being here, uh, Juliet. Thanks for hosting with yeah, us again. Absolutely. It's always fun to have so you. Fun. Claire Holt, we're making a promise. We're going to come back and talk to you again yes. after this baby gets I'll here. Be back. But uh, <laughs> until then, I wish you lots of blessings and uh, a lot of joy and excitement from this uh, from this journey. Thank you. I'm always happy when nice people make little nice people. Oh, thank makes you. Makes me feel like the world's going to be okay. <laughs> I hope he turns into a little nice person. <laughs> a little gentleman. At home, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have suggestions, send them to info at informedpregnancy.com.